you and I are fighting it out tonight. Stop on me, I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna kill myself. He took away everything that made me me. He took away my family. He took away my career. He took all my money. Disturbing allegations. Terrorizing his daughter's classmates. Convicted sexual predator. Most people walk around saying, it could never happen to me. It could happen to anyone. It reached a point where I did feel as if, if I stay, I think I might die. It feels scary to call yourself a cult survivor. Well, why didn't you just leave? All right, I'm coming in here. Sorry, um, can you give me a mark on the far side of his face? I mean, that should, I can get it with the other two. Daniel, reading take two. 10 seconds. And camera is set here. My name is Daniel. I'm a writer and a teacher. When I was 19 years old, I met Lawrence Ray. What that man went on to do to me and my friends, there isn't language for. I've never been able to explain what his actions made me into. But I'm going to try now. You, want, you and I are fighting it out tonight. I will for the rest of my life be on the ground, kitchen tile digging into my knees, sobbing while Lawrence Ray brandishes a knife over me. None of those people will ever again get to live a life where they haven't seen those images. You're playing games, and I know when you're playing games. I am right now, standing in front of my friends while Lawrence Ray holds a garrot around my testicles, twisting it tighter and tighter, trying to get me to confess to something I never did. <clears throat> there will not be a single day I don't live inside the impact of Lawrence Ray's sledgehammer hitting my ribs as he pulls my tongue with his pliers. I don't like what you did. Now, one more time, and I'm going to split your tongue in half. Do you understand me? No. They'll call it a sex cult. No! Please help me! I would like to hear him say that he's sorry for what he's done and mean it, but I know he never will. It's taken more than 10 years for Daniel Levin to say these words out loud. Every syllable echoing through the walls of a courthouse in New York. Those words helping to put his abuser in prison for the rest of his life. How do you feel now that it's over? I was just reeling, taking it in, that I live in a world where my abuser is no longer a threat. Do you feel like you're free of Larry Ray? Disturbing allegations at a New York college, a father accused of moving into his daughter's campus home and abusing 
her friends. Lawrence Ray moved into his daughter's on-campus housing. Disturbing is the word to describe this story. Ray terrorizing his daughter's classmates. He befriended her roommates, some still teenagers, rooming them before moving with some of them to a New York City apartment. Lawrence Ray continues to maintain his innocence. Prosecutors say he exploited and harmed his victims. Lawrence Ray, convicted sexual predator, sentenced to 60 years in federal prison. For more than a decade of abuse, guilty on all counts. It's almost hard to believe Lawrence Ray is the ultimate con man. He looks like the dad next door. At first glance, harmless, almost sweet. A smooth talker with a friendly smile. But there is an evil that lurks beneath that surface. An evil that one group of college friends didn't see until it was too late. Get it off now. Okay, so... Don't think! Get it off! I'm trying to think of how, how to get it off. Get your, your fucking... He really had a way of dominating a room. Slowly but surely, he took over my life. Stop it! Stop it! Get a hold of yourself! Felicia Rosario and Daniel Levin experienced that evil, that physical and psychological terror. They're part of a group of about eight friends under the control of one man. You're gonna blow with her. Exploited for extortion, sex trafficking, and forced labor over the course of a decade. They're now fully free to talk about the abuse, the lies. He would tell people that I used to be a prostitute. I'm sorry. And what it takes to escape. There was a time when if I tried to speak like I'm speaking now, my throat would close up, I would start sweating, I would be on the verge of crying. I wouldn't be able to do this. I don't even recognize myself. How much worse can it get? Their stories are part of a new docu-series, Stolen Youth, Inside the Cult at Sarah Lawrence. I don't think I look like what people think of when they think cult victim. You think it could have happened to anyone? Absolutely, and he's so good at what he does. If he wanted to get to you, he would. For years, Larry captivated people with his easy charisma and impressive resume. We don't really know Larry Ray. He said he was uh, CIA. He said he was in the military. He, he went to prison for securities fraud. I mean, it, it, there's no real legitimate biography out there. What we've come to know about him is that he was a master manipulator. Daniel was a sophomore at Sarah Lawrence College, just north of New York City, when he first met his roommate Talia's dad, Larry Ray. Talia starts saying, hey, my dad's about to get out of prison. Mm -hmm. He's a good guy. It was a wrongful conviction. Mm -hmm. He needs a place to land. He's going to stay on our couch. Mm -hmm. What was your response to that? I had been hearing this narrative from Talia for so long. All I felt was happy for her that she was going to get to reconnect with her dad. It would have been cruel to say no to that is how I felt. Daniel says the housemates initially found Larry odd, but slowly he drew them in. You could not come into Larry's orbit without being trapped in a conversation. He started buying people meals, getting takeout. One by one, the friends opened up, starting with Talia's best friend, Isabella. 
There was one night where I hadn't seen her and she had been in her room with Larry all night, that they had just been talking all night. And this is the kind of thing when you look back on it, it's like, how do you not question that? But things had become so normalized and no one else seemed confused about this and you just kind of move on. At what point do you and Larry start having a closer relationship? I had been in my first long-term relationship that year, sophomore year of college, and that relationship was starting to fall apart. And my friend said that Larry could give me advice. He seemed to understand the things I struggled with, that I was insecure about my body, that I was unsure about my sexuality. The group got so close that the summer of 2011, Daniel and four of his housemates moved into a one-bedroom apartment with Larry in New York City that Larry's friend had lent him. Eventually, they came to see him as, as their protector and mentor. And all the while, the way the indictment portrays it, he's grooming them for lifelong psychological torture. In evidence videos, the group appeared like a tight-knit chosen family, celebrating birthdays. Well, Dan, so what do you say to that, Dan? Uh, that's very nice. And holidays. New friends even joined the group. Daniel's roommate Santos brought in his sisters, first Yelitsa, then Felicia, a Harvard graduate who attended Columbia Medical School and was in the middle of a psychiatry residency in Los Angeles when she fell head over heels for Larry. What was it about him that struck you? He was so charming. He was really friendly, um, smart, kind. And, I mean, he, he did pretty immediately show interest in me. Being in a group or, or entering in a relationship with Lawrence Ray is like falling in love. And falling in love is not rational. And to a great extent, I think people fall in love with a leader, its ideas, its healing. Distance didn't protect me from Larry because relationships aren't about distance. His hold was so strong, he convinced her that she needed to leave her residency program and moved cross-country to New York to be his girlfriend. He was a master at weaponizing my fear. He terrorized me for months and then Basically, it was like, people are coming after you, or made me believe that I, people were going to come hurt me. The thing is about the human mind, if you repeat it over and over and over, especially with someone who's, who's feeding you and suggesting specific details uh, to you, you can start to believe it. Most people walk around saying, it could never happen to me. I'm too smart. I'm too worldly, and the reality is, depending on how sophisticated the manipulator is, it could happen to anyone. Daniel says as Larry's influence grew, so did his dark side. He would make them write confessions and lists like this, where the young college students would admit to damaging Larry's property and pledge to pay him back, owing tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Larry often pressured them to get the money from their parents. 
He would also create videos and websites where the young adults would admit to being part of a made-up conspiracy to sabotage and kill Larry. My father made a deal to have me sabotage Larry and steal from him and try to poison him. And I have informed you that I'm going to turn this over and others no, to law please. enforcement authorities. Please, Larry. And... Larry, please. No, hold on, please. Larry even coerced one young woman into prostitution, exploiting and trafficking her, raking in two and a half million dollars from her escort services. In hindsight, Felicia sees now that the red flags were immediate, especially when she arrived at the Upper East Side apartment where so many people were living, and Larry insisted that they share a bed naked with Isabella all the time. Felicia details the sleeping arrangements in the documentary. Larry sleeps in the middle, face up, and Isabella and I are each on one side. Isabella sleeps like this, with her hand on Larry's genitals. So I come in there, I'm supposed to be this guy's girlfriend. And then I'm sleeping with him and this girl. And this girl has her hand all up in his stuff. And I'm, and I'm just supposed to be okay. He's like, oh, she's just more comfortable that way. Like, what's the big deal? Like, aren't you a, like a smart, liberated woman? I was in such a bad place when I got there. By then, he had worked on me so much and had terrorized me so much that, yes, I was angry, but then I was like, but what else am I gonna do? Where else am I gonna go? And I felt like I didn't have a choice. For Daniel, Larry also appeared to coordinate intimate, even sexual encounters. He describes one case involving Isabella. It just was so hard not to feel like she had been sent out. What came to pass soon after that was that I was like explicitly being enrolled in this like sexual education and Larry was my professor and like Isabella was his TA. It did grow into like him having sex with her and me having sex with her, all three of us together. Uh, we're not going to really stay in this place at all, but I know there were a number of different ways in which you were sexually abused. Can you tell me what was the most profound or horrific of it all? I think that probably the most horrifying aspect of this was the way in which Larry seemed incapable of accepting my struggles with gender and sexual identity. He uh, made me get in a dress. He made me go in the dress down to the lobby and get the mail just as a sort of uh, shame technique to sort of parade myself around. And then get a, a sex toy, a dildo, and made me kind of try to like swallow it. And all of this is happening in front of all of my friends, just like a truly horrifying, degrading experience. So you're trying to pull back now, aren't you? In yet another disturbing twist, 
Much of that torture and terror was recorded by Larry or one of the roommates. <clears throat> Doubting me? Still? No, I know that. That's, huh? I know that you're leaving. Oh. And I'm telling you, listen to me. Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah. Don't fuck around with lying now. Tell the truth. Next thing's gonna be out is your dick and balls. Do you recognize when you see yourself? In those mm -hmm. videos? In some of them, yes. The oddest experience is the things where it was so traumatizing that your brain stops logging memory in the same way. I apologize for lying to everybody right now. And this just now that you were lying. I'm sorry for Remember, they don't know the facts. I know them, dickhead. When I watch it, it feels like I feel so bad for that person who's mm. going through that. I have no memory of that mm. happening. Many people, as I think you yourself would admit, say, well, why didn't you just leave? Mm -hmm. Explain why it wasn't just that simple. Yeah, that is a question that I struggle with myself. You know, people find themselves in abusive relationships and everyone said that what was happening was good. And I was convinced that if I was uncomfortable, if something felt bad to me, that that was because of something that was wrong with me, because everyone else seemed fine with it. Spit him out. Spit him. It's too late, I took Adderall. Hours upon hours of brutality, sickeningly documented and preserved. Larry Ray made his own conviction by keeping photos and videos of the torture he inflicted on these young people. Some of the videos that were played at trial, the public can see, and it gives you this sense of, of horror and you recoil, but that's only the half of it. Some of this was far too graphic and demeaning for, for the, the public to ever see. That includes videos of some of the victims coerced into having sex with strangers and each other. One of the most heart-wrenching moments was when there's video of you saying, Larry, save me from myself. And he's holding you like a baby as you're crying. What were you feeling in that moment? This part is hard to talk about because I don't remember. I've blocked it out. And there's there are so many holes in my memory. But it's hard for me to watch like, wow, that's horrible what he's doing to her. But it's, it's she, not me. It's not me, Larry. This isn't me. So the definition for me of destructive authoritarian cults is a pyramid structure organization with someone at the top who has total power, deceptive recruitment, where they're controlling behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions of the members to keep them dependent and obedient. Friends and family say they made numerous attempts to extract their loved ones from Larry's grip, like this moment from the documentary. Felicia. Felicia, te dejamos una tarjeta para que tú nos llames cuando tú puedas. Por favor, Felicia. 
but Larry always had his own spin. Your dad had used the term brainwashing, mm -hmm. and you brought that back to Larry. And, mm -hmm. and what did he say about that? Larry laughed at that and seemed to enjoy it. And what he said was that he said, good, you know, I'm glad they should use the term brainwashing because your brains are dirty. And that's mm. what I'm doing is I'm washing your brains. Yeah! Stop okay, fine, I'm done! I'm done making things fucked up! Noise. Stop making noise. Stop making noise. I want to get up! The videos also show how he used the victims to police each other. Here, Larry uses Felicia's siblings to help keep her in line, leveraging punishment against her brother, creating a rift in their relationship. You just bought yourself a ticket to the hospital. Police are coming. They're on I don't their need way. the fucking hospital! And why are you making noise? Keep yelling, keep yelling. I was with Larry 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like, he wouldn't let me leave the apartment without him. I just want to get out, just please, just... Leave me, just leave me alone for a little bit, no. please. Stop. I had to be supervised even to like walk down to move the car. I couldn't go alone. I couldn't go across the street to the drugstore and get a pack of gum by myself. Like someone always had to be with me. And I'm oversimplifying what I'm sure a lot of people would mm. ask is why didn't you leave? I was so scared. He wouldn't let me sleep. He controlled what I was eating. He would yell at me. He would beat me. He took away everything that made me me. And this was the most painful part of all, is really the hold he had on my siblings and my family. I knew that if I left him, he would just come after all of us harder. We like to think humans are rational beings. We're not. We are emotional beings that rationalize a lot. And emotional manipulation, especially if there's extreme fear or guilt or shame, it activates the amygdala part of our brain and it takes our critical thinking, our frontal cortex offline. We know that he had studied, he had Googled how to manipulate people, how to use mind control. He did research on those things and then it becomes trial and error, you know? He's not stupid. Two years after Larry infiltrated his life, Daniel became the first to break away. At what point did you feel, I have to leave? The violence towards me had really escalated and it reached a point where I, I did feel as if, if I stay any longer, I, I think I might die. It starts to feel like this might be a mortal threat, um, whether that's because he will kill me or I will kill myself and just so in pain. And you felt that both were viable options. Yes, yes, I would say so. Just something in me felt like if I want to live, I need to leave, and I did. I just stopped answering calls and just hoped that they wouldn't pursue me. Were you concerned about your friends who stayed? Yeah, every day. I was so scared for them. How did you come about labeling it as a cult? A really good question. I, I 
was doing some research online and came across a list of criteria. And I just went through, it's like check boxes. So that label made sense to me, even though this group didn't look like what I had been taught a cult looked like, which is people are wearing robes, there's Kool-Aid, like none of those things. So a lot of people think that cults need to be religious cults or political cults, but in fact, there can be cults of personality. Look at Charlie Manson. How could anyone have followed him and thought he was Jesus and killed a pregnant actress? But they did. Dr. Stephen Hassan knows what it's like. He himself was recruited into a group when he was in college at just 19. Nice to meet you. So nice to meet you. So good to see you. I give you a little yes. wow meeting in real life. Yeah, it's so nice. Dr. Hassan's book would be critically important for both Felicia and Daniel. It feels scary to call yourself a cult survivor, mm. right? Because of all the stigma. It took me three months to say I was yeah, a cult. Yeah, I think it took me like I six months. Out. Yeah. After leaving Larry back in 2013, Daniel spent years slowly rebuilding his life, reconnecting with family and friends. Meanwhile, Larry moved the group from New York to North Carolina, then to New Jersey. Daniel still constantly battled the underlying fear that Larry would lash out. I spent years, at least six or so years hiding. I was in a constant state of disassociation. Mm. I felt like the world was gray and it was only when I started to write it down, but really to start to share and be open, as scary as that was. And I experimented with, at a party, I just tried it being the first thing I told someone. Yeah. You know, it's like, I was in a cold tie. <laughs> Eventually, reporters Ezra Marcus and James Walsh from New York Magazine got in touch. One day, my editor called me into uh, her office and said, the story is really wild. We don't really know what it's about. And I went back to my desk, called Ezra. He sent over his documents, and my jaw dropped. I went to Sarah Lawrence for undergrad. I um, graduated in 2014. I was actually a year below most of the people involved in the story, although I didn't know them. The alumni network, very close. So in 2018, a, a friend went to um, her five-year reunion, and um, people at the reunion were basically talking about this sort of crazy website that they'd seen about somebody they'd gone to school with. The sort of actual contours of what was really going on wasn't really clear to me at all until I um, spoke with several people who had, who had known uh, Daniel really well and then Daniel himself. What Dan did also, going fully on the record using his, his name, was incredibly brave. And without that, I, I think our story would have been very different. And so, uh, you know, we have to credit Dan for that. Dan was, was absolutely essential to the story. The resulting article, The Stolen Kids of Sarah Lawrence, was published in April of 2019. At that time, Larry still had a firm hold on many of Daniel's friends, including Felicia. The New York Magazine article, which, that made it public. Yes. I didn't have a choice anymore. I couldn't even, I couldn't hide anymore. And actually, 
we had spoken to the reporter for the article, thinking that the article was going to be positive about Larry. And then the article comes out, it's the total opposite. Larry is livid um, and has Isabella and I go through the article. I want you to find all of the inconsistencies, all of the lies in this article, because we're gonna file a lawsuit. And I'm like, but this is true. <laughs> like, what happened to Daniel is true. What happened to Claudia is true. That like, was a big planted seed yes, in your that, mind. Yeah. It's amazing to hear because the choice to participate with that article was so loaded, you know? Um, and I was thinking about my friends who were still uh, being abused and what effect it would have. What it became for me was they needed to get it right. Sure. Because if they got it wrong, it would cause the most possible harm. Larry has a really long history of making people angry. And any time a name came up, we would give them a call. And more often than not, they go, oh, Larry Ray. We were talking to so many people in Larry's life that he got wind of it. And we were sitting, you know, writing one day and I got a call from a blocked number and picked it up and he said, you know, this is Lawrence Ray. I have never done anything to warrant even close to a single arrest, hmm. ever. I got asked to see what I could do about Ben Costco crisis in the headquarters, intelligence, and intelligence. And when I asked about it, I told what, the truth. What was I, the, I, the, I talked to political aspects. Well, I want that. You, know, so, you see what I'm saying? I it's, am receiving it. You follow what I'm saying? Like, corrupt stuff. Excuse me. I think maybe about a month of phone calls. And after that, we decided to meet in person. And he wouldn't let me be in the room. I was listening through a wall, like with my ear cupped to the wall, listening to them talk for hours and hours. And it was, it was Larry, Isabella, and Felicia. It was really eerie to sit in a room with two people who were just so, you know, subservient to Larry. This was the first time, I think, in print that Larry was going to be held accountable for the things he had done and the damage he had done to people's lives. The article triggered an official investigation into Larry. A few months later, Daniel began working with filmmaker Zach Heinzerling on what would become the docuseries Stolen Youth. I had been working very closely with the director, hearing about what he was seeing and experiencing and kind of feeding back to him how he might want to approach things. The docuseries was well underway in early 2020 when the FBI arrested Larry Ray. Alicia and Isabella are right there in the footage leaving court. At the time, the only two members left of the group. He leveraged my fear, my fears of being alone, of being abandoned. So he made himself the perpetrator and the savior all at the same time. This was called a sex cult, or referred to as a cult, but a cult is not a legal term. And so it doesn't appear anywhere in the indictment, but the indictment does describe cult-like behavior in how Larry Ray acted and how his victims responded to him. He would interrogate them, and these interrogations would last hours. He would demand these confessions through tactics, the indictment says, 
that included sleep deprivation, psychological and sexual humiliation, verbal abuse, threats of physical violence, and threats of criminal legal action. This is a federal indictment. These are serious charges, 17 counts, ranging from threats and coercion to extortion and forced labor. At what point did you decide enough? Um, I didn't. The FBI came. <laughs> the FBI came and arrested him, thankfully. It took them coming to get him for me to be able to even consider having um, a life again. But even once they got him, you yeah. still were defending him. Right. Larry said, over there. The cameras captured the traumatic months after Larry's arrest when Felicia and Isabella, one of the original Sarah Lawrence roommates, allowed the cameras to come inside the home they had shared with Larry. So over here, this is the kitchen. And this is our Viking refrigerator. And there's this lock that we had, we have on it to keep our food safe. After he got arrested, I was still on Team Larry, but when the pandemic started and, you know, I had to sit alone and I didn't have him yelling at me every day, it kind of just clicked that this is horrible and I need to do something, um, but I know I can't stay here. Do you remember the day that you walked away? Oh my God, yes. It was so amazing. It was so satisfying. Driving away from the apartment that I was living in with Isabella, I was just, had the music all the way up, and I was like, yes, finally, I'm free. I'm free from all of them. When Felicia drove away, she left one person behind, Isabella who vowed to stay loyal to Larry. Research indicates about 90% of the people who affiliate with cultic type systems leave. Uh, and they leave on their own. I think it was helpful for society at large to see that um, this happens. And I think that many people will be able to see themselves in it. Cameras caught up with Felicia months later as she grappled with her newfound freedom. One of my goals now is figuring out for myself what actually happened, what's actually true. Watching the documentary for the first time was so emotional. A lot of what is in the series was new to me. And then watching the abuse was so hard. Those videos of abuse, like this one, were used as evidence during Larry's trial. In this one, for nearly 14 minutes, Larry pins down and restrains Felicia on the kitchen floor. Help me, I'm gonna kill myself. I'm gonna kill myself. Felicia. It was so hard to be vulnerable and just talk about all of the thoughts that I was having, all of the Crazy thoughts, but I did it because I know that it will validate, help other people, and it will help other people be validated too. It's like, 
here, Larry, like, you didn't win. Like, we won. <laughs> like, truth wins. <laughs> exploited and abused young women and men. As the case against Larry got underway, Felicia and Daniel were at distinctly different places in their recovery. Daniel had been free for years. He moved to Los Angeles and in 2021 published a memoir called Slonem Woods Nine, named for the dorm where Larry Ray first entered his life. So Felicia was still trying to sort out reality. As I remember things, I just write it down. She was ultimately able to reconnect with her family. Hello? Mommy. Uh -huh. Mommy and Felicia. <laughs> a painstaking journey detailed in the documentary. <laughs> Reuniting with her parents, and eventually her siblings, who had also suffered Larry's abuse. We're just talking about how great you are. You're the best, don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> In April of 2022, Larry finally stood trial on those charges of extortion, sex trafficking, forced labor, and more. Felicia, along with her sister and brother, testified against him. After sitting through weeks of this brutal evidence against Larry Ray, it did not take the jury very long to find him guilty. To get this guilty verdict was like, the ultimate confirmation that what I experienced was real. In the eyes of the law, it was real and it was wrong. There was no apology from Larry Ray. There was no apparent remorse. And, and prosecutors made mention of that in their sentencing memo. They said that through his conduct, he has shown he's a danger of others, uh, incapable of contrition, and had to be incapacitated. They asked for a life sentence. They got 60 years, which at Larry Ray's age and in his health is just about a life sentence. Just a couple of days after the sentencing, Felicia and Daniel were still processing. What was it like to see Larry again? That's part of what made this week so stressful, is that I was just thinking about being in the same room as this man who the last time I saw him, you know, he had a garrote around my testicles, you know, so it's like unfathomable. Daniel stood up in court and delivered one of the victim impact statements. Do you feel like Larry heard you? I kind of don't care. <laughs> I don't know if he did. Nothing that I do is for Larry anymore. Um, it was for me and it was for the people I care about. The week leading up to the sentencing was just so hectic. I barely slept. Finally, Friday came, and it was beautiful. What do you mean by beautiful? Justice was served. You said that he owed you all an apology. Did he give you one? No, no, he did not uh, express any kind of remorse. I try not to waste too much energy on imagining the interior of Lawrence Ray's mind, but I suspect that he is not capable 
of feeling bad about anything he's done. While Larry will spend his life in prison, two of the original group members face more uncertain futures. Isabella Pollock, Larry's trusted lieutenant, pleaded guilty to one charge of money laundering and faces up to five years in prison. As for Larry's daughter, Talia, who first brought him to stay at her dorm and introduced him to her friends. Have you ever talked to Talia since all of this? No, no, I haven't heard from Talia at all. I think that for a long time there, there would have been legal implications to her reaching out, so I wouldn't have been able to talk to her regardless. I cannot imagine what Talia's experience is right now. I mean, she grew up with this man who abused me for two years. She was inculcated by him from the moment she was born. So that's a, a human experience that goes beyond my imagination. In court filings, prosecutors refer to Talia as Larry's daughter and co-conspirator and say he enlisted her in the abuse that he heaped on her friends. At trial, they used recordings of her laughing and joking as her roommates were humiliated and threatened. But to date, she has not been arrested or charged with any crime. Talia currently works for a nonprofit in North Carolina focusing on social justice. When Larry was abusing me, one of the things that I really remember him saying was, oh, what are you gonna feed your kids, a bowl of poems? And that had really stuck with me for a long time. And now my job is writing books and teaching people how to write. In a lot of ways, teaching to me feels like the opposite of what Larry did. How are you? Okay, how are you? Yeah, I do consider sometimes now, like, do I grow? Watching Daniel's recovery and success really gives me hope for my life and my future and my dreams, the dreams that were stolen from me. Um, and I think I'm gonna do them. Lawrence Ray is a man who is not so special, really. I will live the rest of my life with what he did to me. It's true. That being said, this morning, I opened my front door and I stepped outside because I can. I get to live, really live.